0: Welcome to We Drink and We Know Things, a
1: weekly podcast doused in alcohol
0: and lit with knowledge. Clinkies! Hello. Hello! What up, everybody? How's it going?
1: Hopefully going well. Yes. I'm Tom.
0: I'm Andrea. Welcome to We Drink and We Know Things. The podcast! Just
1: and as such we're gonna do us a little spooky season episode
0: yeah this is gonna be you know not we wanted to give out a little maybe a little something extra a little 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 extra piece so we're gonna read some we're gonna read some creepy pastas. pastas
1: if you ain't familiar they're scary stories that you find on the internet
0: it's a subreddit on Reddit. It also yeah? is a
1: subreddit, yeah, but it has its own thing. Oh, yeah? At creepypasta.com. You can go find all these stories. Oh, I guess um, I should have known that. And I'll, I'll attach them as well to the show notes, but these are all written by anonymous authors that are cool with people um, yeah. reading these. So
0: it, a little bit different, you know, with our Let's Not Meets, we always get approvals because it's people's specific stories. These are just stories that people have created and, and they wanted, wanted to, to get put out, out anonymously. Yeah. So it's okay for us to just... Well,
1: it's it's read also them. a really big trend to like read them on YouTube to do like creepypasta narrations. Oh, yeah, I think there's I think a that. lot of that. So those are always like, this is cool to do that. They kind of like have it noted mm-hmm. on the, on yeah, the yeah, story. Yeah. So
0: yeah. Well, I hope everyone's staying safe. We've got yeah, man. Two, a couple days until Halloween. Very
1: close, I'm yes. trying to figure out
0: how I'm going to do, like, handy giving out.
1: I'm going to open the door and chuck it those little Because <laughs>
0: <doors. laughs> our house is so decorated, so I know we're going to get trick Yeah, we're for sure, for sure. That would be so lame if we just, like, the one night of Halloween. We be, just take all the decorations all down. down on yeah. the 30th. Yeah. <laughs> just the it's day like, before. It's um, like in the movie Trick-or-Treat. um at the. Where they come back from the party and she's and like, just, like, take them down. Taking all the Halloween it's the most down.
1: unrealistic part of that movie. Yeah. And that's saying something. Stupid, <laughs> Man. Uh, we baked a pie.
0: We did bake a pie. We talked about.
1: We was going to do That we it, were going to
0: do it on the last episode.
1: But we lacked all of the ingredients. And
0: so, um, yeah, Tom was blindfolded and I had to instruct him how to do, um, like, how, where to. Where to. Where, where all to went. do. Blindfold. It, was, it was fun. We had a good time. And, and the, the pie-, pie was fire.
1: <laughs> I would say that my scoring the pie the dough once we got the dough on yeah, there yeah yeah doing this probably slick not there. my finest showing <laughs> uh but again i was blind was it would have been beautiful as fuck otherwise
0: yeah. but it turned out so yummy yeah
1: it was far yes
0: i don't know do we have anything else really i
1: mean i don't think so man i think we can just jump into yeah, this shit
0: yeah since we're just doing creepy we're not really gonna we don't have we're not lot, gonna so. overthink it yeah all right
1: all right you ready yeah here we go you can go first i'm going to read this one cool this is a little warm up right okay this one's called the portraits by anonymous okay there was a hunter in the woods who after a long day of hunting was in the middle of an immense forest it was getting dark and having lost his bearings he decided to head in one direction until he was clear of the increasingly oppressive foliage after what seemed like hours he came across a cabin in a small clearing realizing how dark it had grown he decided to see if he could stay there for the night he approached and found the door ajar So it's not a door, it's a
0: jar.
1: Stop. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody was inside. The hunter flopped down on the single bed, deciding to explain himself to the owner in the morning. As he looked around, he was surprised to see the walls adorned by many portraits, all Mm. painted in incredible detail. Without exception, they appeared to be staring down at him. Mm. Their features twisted into looks of hatred. Staring back, he grew increasingly uncomfortable making a concerted effort to ignore the many hateful faces he turned to face the wall and exhausted he fell into a restless sleep face down in an unfamiliar bed he turned blinking in an un- in unexpected sunlight looking up he discovered that the cabinet or the cabin had no portraits only windows
0: <gasps>
1: Ew! Uh, yes no yes
0: it was all people looking at him. Bunch in. of creepy
1: motherfuckers watching him. No,
0: that was, Ghosts I did not or gob- like that.
1: See that ending come through right there.
0: Yeah, good job whoever written on it, who wrote that. What's up? What's
1: up? Oh, hold on. Let's do a bit of a,
0: oh. I don't think it's going to be a of a clinky. You got to
1: pick something better than what you've been picking.
0: Your Bud Light is not going to clink.
1: It clinks. It's clinkable.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: That's a clack more than a clink. I'm going to. Also, I decided that if there are ever like people that are very big fans of the show. Uh-huh. They're, what did I say, clinkers?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or a clinky, clink, clinky crew. The clinky crew? Man, go nuts in the comments. Clinky crew. I'm sorry. I'll see myself
0: out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I got one that I haven't read because you found all these.
1: Yeah, I did. I did. Put in the work. <laughs> put in the time.
0: Okay. This is called The Well.
1: Mm. Yes, well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see.
0: Okay. My grandfather grew up on a chicken farm outside of Kra- Krakow, Poland. He passed away a few years ago at the age of 82. A few days before his passing on, due to an aggressive form of stomach cancer, he sat me down next to him in his old rocking chair and said in his familiar Polish accent... I don't know how to do a Polish That's accent. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> after I... Took the boat to New York. I promised to leave this story behind. Okay. I don't know. I don't. What is Polish? How does Polish sound? Do you know?
1: I think it's like
0: almost Russian. No. Yeah,
1: it's like uh, almost like like German, almost. Yeah, like (laughs)
0: Deutschland. I don't fucking know. He didn't look up as he spoke to me, simply staring into his cup of black coffee. It's been seventy years, and I must tell someone before I meet God. Okay. Okay. I was born in a small, quaint, empty town, which, despite the Nazi occupation, still functioned. We lived in this two-bedroom farmhouse, my father, mother, and my brothers, Michael and Igor. I'm sorry you never got to meet any of them. Anyway, Michael and Igor were twins, identical twins, actually, and we had heard rumors of the Nazi fascination with identical twins. This forced us to be even more reserved, even though we already lived in a secluded part of the countryside, in the last occupied house in the town. In order to avoid going Into the occupied towns we basically ate only chicken and eggs for several for every meal and whatever else mama could gather from the garden it was lonely but we survived the thing that was most difficult for me was the fact i had to sleep in the basement due to michael and igor being toddlers they required my father and mother's attention the basement was cold with only a small window and moonlight was the only light i got Because of this, I always delayed going down there until I was absolutely exhausted, so I wouldn't have to lie there awake. Okay. On the nights that I couldn't manage to sleep, I would look out of the window, which gave me a small view of the garden and the large abandoned water well. No, creepy. This was my daily activity throughout those lonely, war-torn nights. In general, it was boring and uneventful, but occasionally I would catch a glimpse of a family or even just a man or two lovers sneaking their way through our garden up to our front door. They always looked rushed and frightened and sometimes wore tattered uniforms. What would follow were horrible sounds of banging and pleadings for whoever lived there to open up, followed by an argument between my father and mother on whether they should let them in. Okay. He moved in the chair to adjust himself. You see, son, we didn't know it, well, at least I didn't, that we lived fairly close to Auschwitz concentration camp. Jesus. And that those people were escapees. Well, did you, your father let them in? I asked impatiently. No, he said, it would have been a death sentence for them as well as for us. The Nazis didn't like Poles, but they tolerated us, and it was easier to hide Michael or Igor than an entire family. My father did what he had to do in order to keep his family alive. As the war went on, fewer and fewer people began showing up in the middle of the night. That's about the time our chicken and vegetables began to disappear. Losing our only supply of food would not have been tolerable, and at that point, my father suspected it was the escapees. So he built a fence around our property. Despite this, the chickens continued to disappear. They I bet
1: it was a fucking monster.
0: Creepy. They weren't killed. They were simply gone. Just vanished from their cages and pens. One night, I decided to stay up for myself in order to see if I could find out the answer. I battled my tiredness until wee hours of the morning, and despite the poor lighting and rain, I caught a glimpse of what seemed to be a human figure run across the garden. I rushed upstairs to tell my father, and he ran outside with a knife, the best home defense weapon he could afford, But we found nothing. No one. The next day, we did find something, though. Footprints. Leading from the chicken cages to the water well. They were made in the wet mud from the rain, and they were of bare feet. No shoes, no socks, just feet.
1: What?
0: My father had mercy on the man who was trying to find refuge and left him a note indicating that he had two days to leave, and then he would begin to seal the well. Oh. I waited impatiently for my grandfather to tell me about the fate of the man. The following night, I got the idea to take a blanket down the well to the man since winter was creeping in. I waited until my parents were asleep, and I snuck outside. I shouted something friendly down the well. Do you think he's in the well? I guess, yeah. That's fucking creepy. Uh, indicating to the poor man that my attentions were benign, and I began my descent, clinging hand and foot to the pegs attached to the stones. Ooh. As I neared the bottom, I smelled something absolutely horrific, and I pulled my father's flashlight from my pocket to try and shine it on the man. It was then I came to the realization I just of just how large the well was, having been used to supply water for the entire town and its families in the past, families which no longer remained. But I found no man, only a hole, a gap in the stone where the wall of the well had collapsed, opening up to some type of crevice only two meters wide and three meters deep and tall. Inside sat not a man, but an entire family.
1: Holy shit
0: of which only a single skeleton-like creature survived. The light reflected off its sunken eyes and gray skin. Blood covered its face, and chicken carcasses were strewn everywhere. Oh, Ooh. fuck. A pile, of decomp- a pile of decomposing poultry beside a woman, and what I suspected had been her son and daughter, children who couldn't have been much more than five years old, and they seemed to have been dead for weeks. The man, if he even could be called that, just gazed at the light, and I stared back, incapable of breaking the stare. I did not feel threatened by him, for he lacked any aggression whatsoever. He simply crouched motionlessly, without a sound, next to the putrefying bodies of his loved ones and the chickens that must have been his source of water as their meat was uneaten. What? He was empty, devoid of whatever in us makes us human. He should have realized the members of his family had died long ago, but he was still bringing food for their corpses. He couldn't accept it. Oh, no. He did finally turn his head, though. When I shone the light back onto the corpse of his daughter, he stared at her and then sat down closer to her and continued his vigil. You can leave now, I said to him. I'll open the gate so you can escape. My father will seal the well in the morning. Please leave now. My young voice and advice seemed to have no effect on him. At that moment, I decided it would be better for me to just climb back up the well and leave and hope the man would follow and escape. As I began my climb, I shone the light on him one final time. What did you see, Grandpa? I shuddered. I saw a tear fall from his eye. He had become a a man once again. He was only able to break free from the delusion after seeing the body of his daughter, which had until that time been obscured by the darkness. He realized then that he had been bringing food not to his family but to corpses. That night, it rained again, but in the morning when my father returned to seal the well, I found no footprints leading out of it. Oh, no. That's creepy. That was creepy and sad as fuck. Yeah.
1: Because, I mean, during, like, you know, Nazi Germany and Auschwitz, like, something like that could have happened.
0: Absolutely. Like,
1: if you've seen, like, the emaciated, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. people in, you and know, he just, concentration like, camps. I guess he just
0: stayed down there. Yeah, just stayed. He's going to get sealed in. That's fucking terrifying. Yeah, that's super terrifying. being buried alive. Yeah, it's the worst.
1: Okay, here we go. This one is called Campfire. Summer camp was a memorable part of my childhood. But most memorable was the summer of 72.
0: Summer of 72. I don't, sorry about that. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it was my last summer as a kid. I had just turned 15 and was looking forward to starting high school in the fall with the older teenagers. camp. Tonkawa was located in the thick forest of East Texas about 43 miles from my home. There was nothing really exceptional about the camp. It had the standard amenities, a lake, lots of woods to explore, an archery and rifle range and a nature preserve. There were exceptional. What were exceptional were the three leading counselors. Mr. Rivera was a would-be jock and was in charge of organizing sports and running the archery and rifle ranges. Mr. Holloway led arts and crafts and taught camping and outdoorsmanship, but the counselor I remember most was Mr. Blackburn. He was kind of a brainiac and maintained the nature preserve. He also taught us about the flora and fauna around the camp, but was particularly interested in bugs. He had been a doctoral candidate several years before and studied insects in the Amazon basin. No one knew why he didn't finish his doctorate. He certainly was bright enough. Okay. It wasn't hard to imagine Mr. Blackburn in a khaki outfit chasing insects with a butterfly net through the rainforest. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty image, isn't it? <laughs> he was a bespeckled man of about 35 with tousled black hair and a hint of a beard that grew steadily longer as the week progressed. He was far from fastidious in dress. In fact, in other circumstances, you might call him a slob. His denim jeans had seen better days and were often besmeared with mud, mm. while his shirt bore the scars of battles with briars and brambles in the wild.
0: This person's got big words.
1: Big words. Briars and brambles, baby. Uh, <laughs> It was the end of August and the end of camp. tradition.
0: Oh, I, sorry. All I can hear is Moira being like, briars and brambles.
1: Briars and brambles, What is it? Bambles. Brambles, David. <laughs> sorry. Okay. Tradition dictated that we rendezvous at a various campfire in the evening of the last day. Each campfire was supervised by one of the counselors, and it so happened that Mr. Blackburn attended ours. I was in a group of about 10 or 11 boys sequestered in a small clearing on the lake shore. We roasted marshmallows and made hot dogs and s'mores as the twilight passed into night. In the bright fire's glow, we passed the evening with talk of the past and dreams of the future. The campfire crackled and cast a protective circle of light above us. An endless number of stars stretched out across the heavens and around us, an endless void of dreary night. All mm-hmm. right. Yes. Okay. Set the mood. Mm-hmm. We huddled close to the light, for although none would admit it, the surrounding darkness held terrors we could only imagine. In a pretended show of bravery, someone suggested telling ghost stories as the night grew as darker. Do. As you do. As you do. Of course, there were the standard tales boys always tell, the bloody hook, tap-tap-tack, and a gaggle of urban legends we relayed in turn. Soon Mr. Blackburn became the storyteller. Well, boys, I'll tell you a true story of what happened to me in the Amazon. I'd been (laughs) traveling with Carlito, my guide, for three days west of Manaus, on the Amazon River. I heard rumors of a rare butterfly with a habitat along the banks of the lower Amazon, and I was anxious to find and catalog one. Hmm. I tell you, boys, the Amazon is a femme fatale, at once beautiful and dangerous, and the heat, oh, the heat is stifling. It is a place of contrast. There are ageless trees that rise on every side and dominate the land. There are magnificent waterfalls and birds and animals found nowhere else in the world. The jungle is often breathtaking, like some magnificent painting elegantly and lovingly created with exquisite, exquisite strokes on the world's canvas.
0: Just a damn Bob Ross painting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but within the beauty, there is also danger. There are things in the jungle no tale of horror could hope to describe. There are men eating cats that prowl the night and piranha that devour a man during the day. There are spiders as big as your head and monstrous snakes that are the stuff of nightmares.
0: What's that uh, accent you're giving him there? <laughs>
1: but the thing even the natives dread, the creature that kills without pity or remorse, is the black caiman.
0: Oh, yeah. They always talk about that on uh, Naked and Afraid. Yeah.
1: So one the little guy says, what's that? And he says, a creature from the blackest abyss of hell, son, Mr. Blackbird continued. Mr. Blackburn continued. It's the devil's blend of alligator and crocodile that prowls the river and kills the unsuspecting. Its black head is invisible on the water, but its dark, lifeless eyes watch you, waiting. Mm. Floating nearer and nearer, then with a lightning flash of jaws, its teeth rip you open and you hear your own terrible screams as the creature swallows you whole. Yikes. The sudden cry of an owl caused an involuntary scream from all of us. Our eyes strained against the darkness and imagined the creature lurking silently in the lake just beyond. Mr. Blackburn paused a moment to let us reflect on his description. We all became a little bit more aware of the night. We stopped at one of the local villages for trade to trade for food and water and heard the stories of a monstrous black caiman the natives called Rio Morte. It means a river death. Ooh. Rio Morte. Uh, <laughs> Few have seen the creature and lived.
0: You know, the good old Italians in the Amazon.
1: (laughs) You know, boys, he added, the river people say the jungle keeps its own. They believe that when the jungle takes a life, it leaves henatu. That means the ghost who walks. There are spirits who have never, there are spirits who had neither grave for rest nor fulfillment of earthly purpose, and so they wander the earth for all of time. They are drawn to the living for they feel the energy of life that has been denied them. Mm. They long for the warmth of another human, but feel only the cold of premature destruction. The river people respect Hanatu. They fear only Rio Morte. Loaded with supplies and information, we set out again on our journey down the Amazon. Carlito and I fruitlessly searched the riverbanks for the elusive butterflies, then continued downriver. It was late afternoon, and the sun had already disappeared behind the forest canopy. Dark shadows fell across the river as daylight surrendered the encroaching night. As we slowly paddled, we had the vague, uneasy feeling of being watched. The dark Amazon waters meandered through the jungle, and we became acutely aware of the sounds of approaching night. Suddenly, behind us, there was a splash. We both looked but only saw turbulent water near the riverbank. Then Carlito saw the thing in the dim afternoon twilight, that huge dark head and black eyes protruding from the river. Rio Morte! Carlito cried. Rio Morte! I drew my pistol and fired at the beast, but the bullet glanced off its thick hide and the creature disappeared beneath the water.
0: Now you just pissed it off?
1: Yeah, he just pissed it off. We searched the Inky River in vain when suddenly a vicious blow struck our boat from beneath and Carlito was thrown overboard. Mm. He frantically struggled to climb back on the boat and I grabbed his arm and began to pull. With a sudden thrash of water, Carlito was pulled from my grasp. Oh no. The beast rolled over and over in the water. I heard Carlito scream in terror and agony as the river turned crimson and the creature disappeared once more. I paddled feverishly down t- toward the riverbank, but I could see that blackhead following fast and faster. With a great splash of water, those huge jaws suddenly ripped into the boat. I was thrown into, th- into that murky water and began to swim harder than I ever did before. My heart pounded and I panicked as I clawed at the precipitous river bank. That black monster from hell swam closer and closer. I suddenly felt a crushing pain on my ankle. I was struggling helpless as i was pulled under the river and breathed its water into my lungs the storyteller paused then said maybe this is too scary let's finish the story later there was a cry of protest from the boys no tell us now what happened next well our narrator continued he ate me of course what mr blackburn smiled and faded away into a dying campfire glow. oh <laughs> scare story buddy
0: that's that was good.
1: He got eaten by a damn crocodile caiman.
0: He been dead the whole time. He
1: was a ghost the whole dumb time. Oh,
0: my gosh. Come okay. on, now. I got another one. Let's go. Okay, so this is called Suicide avi. Yeah. Okay. Um, I picked this one for you. Oh, okay. So, do any of you remember those Mickey Mouse cartoons from the 1930s? The ones that were just put on a DVD a few years ago? Well, I like hear there is one that was unreleased to even the most avid classic Disney fans. According to sources, it's nothing special. So Gale,
1: they're talking about your mom.
0: <laughs> it's just a continuous loop, like Flintstones, of Mickey walking past six buildings that goes on for two or three minutes before fading out. Unlike the cutesy tunes put in, unlike the cutesy tunes put in, though, the song on this cartoon was not a song at all just a constant banging on a piano for a minute and a half before going to white noise for the remainder of the film. I don't like that.
1: Yeah, it's spooky already.
0: It wasn't the jolly old Mickey we've come to love either. Mickey wasn't dancing, not even smiling, just kind of walking as if you or I were walking with a normal facial expression. But for some reason, his head tilted side to side as he kept his dismal look. Mm-hmm. Okay. hmm hmm Up until a year or two ago, everyone believed that after it cut to black, and that was it. When Leonard Maltin was reviewing the cartoon to be put in the complete series, he decided it was too junk to be on the DVD, but wanted to have a digital copy due to the fact that it was a creation of Walt. When he he had a digitized version up on his computer to look at the file, he noticed something. The cartoon was actually nine minutes and four seconds long. Oh, shit. This is what my source emailed to me. In full, he is a personal assistant of one of the higher executives at Disney, an acquaintance of Mr. Malton himself. After it cut to black, it stayed like that until the sixth minute before going back into Mickey walking. The sound was different this time. It was a murmur. It wasn't a language, but more like a gurgled cry. And the noise got more indistinguishable and loud over the next minute. The picture began to get weird. The sidewalk started to go in directions that seemed impossible based on the physics of Mickey's walking, and the dismal face of the mouse was slowly curling into a smirk.
1: Creepy. What were you doing, Walt?
0: On the seventh minute, the murmur turned into a blood-curdling scream, the kind of scream painful to hear, and the picture was getting more obscure. Colors were happening that shouldn't have been possible at the time. Mickey's face began to fall apart. His eyes rolled on the bottom of his chin like two marbles in a fishbowl and his curled smile was pointing upward on the left side of his face ew
1: yeah it's fucking creepy
0: the buildings became rubble floating in midair and the sidewalk was still impossible impossibly navigating in warped directions a few seeming inconceivable with what what we as humans know about direction Mr. Malton got disturbed and left the room, sending an employee to finish the video and take notes of everything happening up until the last second, and afterward immediately store the disc of the cartoon into the vault. This distorted screaming lasted until eight minutes, and a few seconds in, and then it abruptly cuts to the Mickey Mouse face at the credits of the end of every video with what sounded like a broken music box playing in the background.
1: Spooky as fuck, Mm. though.
0: This happened for about 30 seconds, and whatever was in the remaining 30 seconds, I haven't been able to get a a sliver of information about. From a security guard working under me, who was making rounds outside of that room, I was told that after the last frame, the employee stumbled out of the room with pale skin, saying real suffering is not known, seven times before speedily taking the guard's pistol and offing himself on the spot.
1: Okay. What the
0: fuck? What the fuck? The thing I could get out of Leonard Malton was that the last frame was a piece of Russian text that roughly said, the sights of hell bring its viewers back in. As far as I know, no one else has seen it, but there have been dozens of attempts at getting the film on rapid share by employees inside the studios, all of whom have been promptly terminated of their jobs.
1: Damn.
0: Whether it got online or not is up for debate, but if rumors serve me right, it's online somewhere under suicidemouse.avi. If You ever find a copy of the film, I want you to never view it and to contact me by phone immediately. Regardless of the time, when a when a Disney death is covered up as well as this, it means this has to be something huge. Get back at me. TR, I've yet to find a copy of this, but it is out there. I know it.
1: Whoa. Creepy. Super creepy. That's, and that's creepy pasta, that's baby. Creepy pastas. That was some creepy pasta and garlic bread right there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> hey.
0: Those are good. Yeah,
1: man. Uh so happy fucking Halloween, yeah. you guys.
0: Happy Halloween. Everybody stay safe. And yeah.
1: and we'll see you next week, hopefully, with episode sixty. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to talk about? You want to plug anything?
0: Um, well, with holiday season starting to come up, uh, you can visit my personal website at woodwear and Ooh. see my jewelry that I make.
1: And it's super dope.
0: And if you have any creepy process or stories or anything, you can email us at We, Drink and we Know Things. Podcast at gmail.com. Awesome, man. Leave us reviews. Hang in there. Stay safe. Stay safe. Happy Halloween.
1: Happy Halloween. Yes. Yes. Okay. In my creepy voice, goodbye. Okay. All right. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>
0: uh, Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye.